The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather for ordered worship with our congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, Marsh Chapel, with our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your selections and decisions about forms of ministry and service in our midst, and come Sunday, your presence with us for worship. Today, especially, we welcome Marsh Chapel's own Inner Strength Gospel Choir under the direction of our dear friend Herbert Jones and also our guest organist and choral conductor, Brian Jones, Emeritus Director of Music at Trinity Church Copley Square, who is substituting for our own two dear Grammy-nominated musicians, Justin Blackwell and Scott Allen. Jarrett. We gather amid mystic chords of memory in the beauty of the lilies Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men holy let us live to make men free. God's truth is marching on. On this February 12th let us stand as we are able in the praise of God.
May we pray. O oh God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers. And because in our weakness we can do nothing good without you, give us the help of your grace that in keeping your commandments we may please you both in will and deed through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We come to this moment, this beautiful and substantial moment of prayer because we recognize together personally and in communion that we fall short. We learn more from our defeats than from our victories. We learn more from our failures than from, from our successes. But in gathering for corporate prayer and confession, we remember Abraham Lincoln's word, he whose birthday we recognize today, saying after one of his many defeats, I'm like the boy who said, I'm too old to cry and too hurt to laugh. You may this morning arise between that cry and that laugh, and if so, we invite you together into this time of confession as our choir sings the traditional Kyrie. May we pray. But for the grace of God, we would not be. But for the grace of God, we could not love. But for the grace of God, we should not speak. But by God's grace, we live and love and speak. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson 
from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For God's anger is but for a moment, God's favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell you of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be precious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Glory to you, O Lord. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word, so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country. And people came to him from every quarter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. Today we together may remember a short phrase, more than one, one of which is this, the better angels of our nature. But what are the better angels of our nature? One is conscience and one is compassion. Conceived in liberty, that is conscience. Dedicated to the proposition that all are created equal, that is compassion. Are we ready for a moment to brush the wings of these twin angels? They have been brought to us with a price. This week, suddenly, we realize again how much we owe to those who won our freedom, both temporal and spiritual, both civic and religious. Discussion of liberty and equality arises again, February 2012. Yet so much of it proceeds with almost no sense of memory and thereby little to no depth. Perhaps just for a moment this morning, we might reflect together on freedom. Our gospel declares he went out and began to talk freely. And we are people who talk freely about freedom, temporal and spiritual. Maybe today, February 12th, we might remember some of the great words about conscience and compassion, liberty and equality, which we inherit. For in fact, our discourse about freedom has long involved the interplay of temporal conscience and spiritual compassion, of civic liberty and religious freedom. We are heirs both of temporal and of spiritual freedom. Abraham Lincoln, from his western window perch in this nave, can help to remind us today. Temporal freedom means freedom from the tyranny of kings. We think for a minute of Washington's army shivering along the Hudson River in the first cold winter of independence, 1776, and Thomas Paine. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Tis dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Temporal freedom means freedom from the bondage of slavery so, Lincoln on his birthday. We think first of Abraham Lincoln in 1861, hopeful as he began his presidency, but we think second of Lincoln in 1865, exhausted and soon to die, riddled with worry, conflict, risk, chance, decision and death for four years. Out of affliction came a great hope. So, Abraham Lincoln, his hopeful first inaugural and his chastened second first. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memory stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land will yet swell the chorus of the Union when again touched, as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. Second, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work that we are in, to do all that may achieve a just and lasting peace for us and for all the nations. Temporal freedom also means the freedom from the threat of dictatorship, we think of Franklin Roosevelt, bound to his wheelchair, yet out of that bondage, finding the rhetoric and courage to lead his people from fear to faith. You know, nothing to fear but fear itself, a day that will live in infamy, 
a world founded on four freedoms, an arsenal of democracy, FDR 1941. We too, born to freedom and believing in freedom, are willing to fight to maintain freedom. We and all others who believe as deeply as we do would rather die on our feet than live on our knees. Roosevelt again, 1945. We have learned that we cannot live alone at peace, that our own well-being is dependent on the well-being of other nations far away. We have learned that we must live as men and not as ostriches, nor as dogs in the manger. We have learned to be citizens of the world, members of the human community. Temporal freedom also means freedom from the despotism of ideology. We think of John Kennedy wearing the anxiety of the Cold War and meeting that cold with warm words warmly delivered. A profile, you might say, in courage. 1961. Let the word go forth from this time and place to friend and foe alike that the torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans born in this century, tempered by war, disciplined by a hard and bitter peace, proud of our ancient heritage, and unwilling to witness or permit the slow undoing of those human rights to which this nation has always been committed and to which we are committed today at home and around the world. Let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and success of liberty. Freedom from tyranny, slavery, dictatorship, ideology. For temporal freedom today, we are deeply thankful. But I must ask you, if the value of our temporal freedom is now so clearly and even starkly visible, how much more then is the higher value of your spiritual freedom even more clearly and starkly visible? If the ringing rhetoric of our national heritage can so move us today, how much more are we transformed by the freedom that we have received by God's grace in Jesus Christ? For it is this freedom wrought by God upon which we depend for our salvation, for eternal life, for forgiveness, for heaven, and for a heavenly peace on earth. This is God's own work enacted in the life and death and destiny of Christ, whom we both follow and adore is God's act for us, for us men and women, and for our salvation, a divine and a new rebirth of freedom is not susceptible finally to assault of any kind. It is the lasting delight and desire of God who cleanses, heals, makes new. So today, here, the healing of the leper, Jesus moved with pity, stretches, touches, and says, I will be clean. Our passage foreshadows all that is to come of Jesus' true freedom. Spiritual freedom means freedom, first of all, from the tyranny of religion. We think of Paul of Tarsus, A.D. 50, who was seized by this same freedom and who could fly from the fetters of his inherited religion. Religion, untamed, can do so much harm. That is the Protestant principle. The life, death, and destiny of Jesus set Paul free to love and to serve. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Spiritual freedom also means the freedom from the bondage of the flesh. We think of Augustine of Hippo, A.D. 400, who wrestled, grappled with the desires of the flesh for much of his life. A man of great learning, he nonetheless found himself unable to put away temptations that he was powerless to resist. Then, once in a quiet garden, 
He heard a voice like that of a child saying, Tole lege, take and read. And he picked up a copy of the letters of Paul that he was reading and saw these words, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. And from that moment, he found peace. We think of John Wesley, who though he had as much a more formal religion than any of his contemporaries, was made to wait until middle age before he exchanged the form of religion for its power. So Wesley on Aldersgate Street, May 24th, 1738, eight o'clock in the evening in the pouring rain. While the minister was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Spiritual freedom also means the freedom from the despotism of defeat. We think of one pastor very dear to my memory, A.D. 1939, not so long ago, bringing a proposal for a big new church to his doubtful board of trustees and doing so amid depression and war. He dedicated his idea to the glory of God and the service of women and men, and on the front page of his proposal, he placed this quotation, an inscription he had found on a country church in England the year before. In the year 1643, when all things sacred were either demolished or profaned, this church was built by one whose singular praise is to have done the best of things in the worst of times and to have hoped them in the most calamitous. New England. If you preach in a postmodern, post-Judeo-Christian era, take heart here. If you preach in a minimally religious region, take heart here. If you preach where faithfulness somehow has become disconnected from Sunday worship, where worship is optional, take heart here. If you preach where the shallow in worship has overcome the high and true and deep, take heart here. Your singular praise is to have done the best of things in the worst of times and to have hoped them in the most calamitous. Spiritual freedom means freedom from fear, the fear of the future. We think of Ernest Fremont Tittle, Evanston, Illinois, A.D. 1960, the month of his death, who more than most in his generation 50 years ago saw the contours of the future. May his words touch our hearts. We of this generation are confronted with the revelation of divine purpose given in a human interrelatedness and interdependence that justifies the term one world. We find ourselves in a situation where no one nation can prosper unless all prosper. No one people can dwell secure unless security is assured to all. This situation was brought about through human agents through the activities of scientists, inventors, traders, imperialists, but it is not the result of human planning. Not even the most ardent imperialist will claim that empire was devised as a means of drawing the world together, nor will anyone claim that science or invention or international trade was carried on with a view to bringing about the interdependence of nations and peoples. The situation in which we find ourselves so far from being a result that we human creatures purposed and planned has to a large extent been brought about despite our purposes, which for the most part were selfish and short-sighted enough. It has come to pass through the providence of God, who through science and technology, through improved means of transportation and communication, through the extension of trade and credit, has brought it to pass that we have got to act with due consideration for the rest of humankind if we ourselves are to prosper and to survive. 
something beyond us, a superhuman purpose and power is working in history, bringing about the increasing interdependence of men and nations so that our sheer survival becomes ever more contingent upon the establishment of justice and fair play in our relations to one another. Freedom from religion, flesh, judgment, defeat, fear. For spiritual freedom, we are today deeply thankful. Abraham Lincoln knew them both, spiritual and temporal freedom. It is his birthday we celebrate today. There are some words that are so precious that we need to make them our own. So Alice will memorize the Lord's Prayer and Sherman, the 23rd Psalm, and Richard, the Beatitudes, and Robert, the Ten Commandments, and George, the Apostles' Creed, and we together should know these words from the West Window. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a civil war testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place to those who here gave their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it, far beyond our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated to the unfinished work which those who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is for us here to be dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that great cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead should not have died in vain, that this country will have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask, open our hearts to receive the better angels of our nature, conscience and compassion, liberty and equality. Amen. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and position of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, or kneeling, or coming to the communion rail. With our whole heart and with our whole mind, let us pray to the Lord. 
Fulfill our desire to know more of your abundance in our lives, our local university, larger communities, and the world. Enlighten us to your holiness in the church and its people. Reveal to us the beauty and health in your creation. Allow us to witness realized justice for the oppressed around the world. Show us goodness and unselfishness in our world's current and prospective leaders. Help us to feel and see your love for those suffering. And open our eyes to see more of your mercy in our lives. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you once again here to the Nave of Marsh Chapel and hope you will take a moment to put your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew and pass them along to your neighbor so that we can get you to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We would note that this coming Sunday, February 19th, is the third of our Bach Cantata series for this academic year. We hope that you will join us at 9.45 for the Bach experience, and then breakfast at 10.15, and the service, including Bach's uh, cantata number 79, here at 11 o'clock in the morning. Again, the Bach experience next Sunday. We would also lift up that Marsh Chapel is hosting a retreat uh, February 24th through 26th in Hancock, New Hampshire at Sargent Camp for undergraduates, graduate students who are trying to discern their life's trajectory and way forward, whether that's discerning a major or discerning a career path. And we hope that you will take an eye to the chapel website for more information about that, as, long as, as well as the opportunity for online giving, bu.edu slash chapel. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Gracious God, in the hymn of Carol Owens, you said, freely, freely we have received, and freely, freely we give. May we go in your name, and because we believe, may others know that you live. Amen.
He is coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. He is wisdom to the mighty. He is honor to the brave. So the world shall be his footstool and the soul of wrong his slave. God's truth is marching on. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.